ARPA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles. Today's episode is a celebration of one profession, physiotherapy, to mark World Physiotherapy Day on 8th of September. Physiotherapy means many different things to different people, so it's fitting that today we're going to discuss the varied ways that patients can access physiotherapy care. We'll talk about how physios provide person-centred care, as well as explore innovations in physiotherapy and what they mean for patient safety. Happily, I'm joined today by guests who I'm sure will talk expansively, expertly and passionately on these topics. Rachel Nelligan, Cherie Hearn and Kim Bennell, who I'll let introduce themselves, starting with you, Kim. Hello, everybody. Uh, My name's Kim Bennell. I'm an academic physiotherapist and I am director of the Centre for Health, Exercise and Sports Medicine at the University of Melbourne, where I lead a multidisciplinary team. We do research into mainly musculoskeletal conditions with a focus on osteoarthritis. And I also play a role in sort of leadership both within the university, but also external. Thank you. And Rachel, could you introduce yourself, please? My name is Rachel Nelligan, and I'm a clinical physio, physiotherapist, and also a research fellow at the Centre for Health, Exercise and Sports Medicine. And my clinical areas are in musculoskeletal rehab, but also pelvic health. And then for the last 10 years, I've been working as a researcher in um, specifically in osteoarthritis and mainly looking at hip and knee osteoarthritis. Thank you. And Cherie? My name's Cherie Hearn and I'm a practitioner member of the Physiotherapy Board of Australia. So I'm a practicing physiotherapist and I'm the director of physiotherapy at the Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane. Um, and I also um, have arthritis, so severe arthritis, osteoarthritis in my my right knee, plus a few other um, areas <laughs> due to um, ageing and other conditions. Thank you and welcome to the three of you. In recognition of that this episode coincides not accidentally with World Physiotherapy Day, Shuri, are you giving us a sense of the broad range of contexts there are of physiotherapy and what some different examples are of where physiotherapists or physios could work? I think physiotherapists work throughout the continuum and life span of um, healthcare. So you would find as well seeing physiotherapists in in acute, large acute hospitals in critical care and um, working in post-surgical, you will see them working in um, many musculoskeletal areas and that includes in the hospital, but also in private practices and community centres. There's now more programs out in the community where um, physiotherapists are available. And so, and also with neurological conditions um, and paediatrics. So we have a a wide and varied um, work. And I think we're now starting to work in that preventative space where, um, and helping with self-care and chronic disease management, which I think is, um, you know, it's very good. Mm. Rachel, do you have anything to add Kim and myself work in research as well. So physios, um, physiotherapists do work as clinical researchers. But I, I think our interpersonal skills and our problem-solving skills really lend well to a, a diverse range of employment um, opportunities. So you'll see physiotherapists working in government. Um, also, at the moment, you've got um, sort of startups uh, are very popular. So you've got phys- physiotherapists with ideas becoming innovators and, and starting their own businesses about products and services um, where they can see, a, I guess, a gap in the healthcare system that they want to address. 
Mm. And Kim, flipping that over from the patient perspectives, what are some of the many ways that you see patients accessing physiotherapy care? Yes, well, as Sheree and Rachel have mentioned, there's a variety of settings that patients can see physiotherapists. Uh, traditionally, we have face-to-face, in-person, private practice, hospitals. But I think we've seen now with the pandemic that there's been a shift and people can see physiotherapists online, um, either you know, in real time, telephone, video conferencing, or asynchronously with emails, text messages and so forth. So they can interact in a variety of ways. I think we also see them uh, a lot more now with home care. Uh, so physios going into people's homes or going into residential care, nursing homes as well to deliver care. So there's a variety of ways that patients can now access physios, I think a lot greater than, than traditionally. Thank you. And Shuri, you, you mentioned that you have osteoarthritis from a patient perspective what is the most meaningful way for you to access physiotherapy care and particularly has this changed over the past couple of years yes there's a number of ways now to access physiotherapy and it could even include doing um, a google search to find out some more information and i think that's the the, the changing landscape where consumers or um, you know myself as a patient can do a google search and find out you know some of the latest things some of the programs that are available and um, then I suppose the biggest thing is putting that into action the consumers is following through but it's finding out exactly where you can go but also what you know what the evidence is or what you know what the research is saying about different things. Mm, It really changes the the kind of patient perspective when you have that access to information it's more empowering Rachel have do you have any examples that you've seen uh, bear out either in your research or around you of meaningful access to care in these kind of changing times where there's been that transition to telehealth first face-to-face yeah and I think if I reflect when I first got into research um that was a, looking at a study with physio delivered care for people with knee osteoarthritis via Skype. And that, was, and that was with Kim leading that study. And that would have been about 10 years ago. Um, and at that point, that was quite novel. But as Kim said, you know, COVID has really shifted how people are, are willing to accept um, you know, remote delivery. And definitely that study that we did 10 years ago um, did show that you know, delivering exercise, um, physios delivering exercise to people with knee osteoarthritis was effective and helpful. And then as more recently, my PhD work was looking at exercise being delivered by a website. So helping people do self-directed exercise. And with this particular uh, website, we coupled it with a text message program where people would receive automated messages to help them Uh, stick to their exercises, help them adhere to their exercises over a six-month period. And with the website and the text messages, uh, we we did find that the majority of people had a meaningful improvement in their um, knee pain and also their ability to do daily activities. Um, So, and this was resources developed by physios, but they weren't, um, didn't have physios monitoring the exercises. It was fully self-directed which is quite an exciting um, study. You know, th- these are resources that uh, physiotherapists can give to patients so that they can help them self-manage um, at home without coming into the clinic. Mm. And do you think that it was more effective because it was, was still multimodal, it was still text message and online? 
Yeah, I think the I think the text message contact was very important. We did some um, interviews with people that had used the the website and the text message program, and a big part of its success, I think, was the text messages helped keep people accountable to the program, and people still felt there was someone um, with them and and um, supporting them. Sure, I think having those reminders um, as a consumer um, to keep you on track is the one thing because I'm. It's very easy to um, get off track. So, you know, things happen in your life um, and you're suddenly off track. Mm, particularly when it's preventative, so you don't have pain reminder. Yeah. So the focus for this year's World Physiotherapy Day is osteoarthritis, and we've spoken about it a lot, um, both through lived experience and also through study and, and specialties. What is osteoarthritis, Kim? Osteoarthritis affects the joints, uh, numerous joints, particularly the hip and knee joints in the, the lower limb. And it's a process that affects all the different tissues around the joint, so the bones and the ligaments and so forth, where the repair processes um, are not functioning in the same way. And so the person gets pain, uh, has trouble going up and down stairs or functional activities. They can get stiffness and swelling and so forth. Probably Cherie can tell us a bit more about what it feels like to live with osteoarthritis. Um, yes, I'm, I'm probably fairly fortunate in that I haven't had um, for the severity um, of my arthritis. I've got it through injury, through sports injury. I think one of the things they don't tell you when you do dancing or sport as when you're young is that if you have any injuries or if you've, you've been using your feet a lot that you start to get pain when you get older. Um, but saying that um, for the severity of the um, arthritis I have in my lateral compartment, which was due to um, an injury, um, my pain is probably less than other people, but still it has its ups and downs. Um, some days it's, it's great, but there's always things about, you know, getting up and down stairs um, um, and I don't have full, I can't straighten my knee fully and I don't have full range um, in um, bending my knee either. Um, so they're the things that, um, you know, I need to, to work on. And um, I think it's really, I found really, um, I've been trying to do things like, you know, losing some weight um, and exercising more, you know, doing a lot of um, walking or swimming. So some days I can walk fine, other days it's a little bit sore but also doing a lot of muscle strengthening. Um, and I try and do it with all my joints because I know, um, you know, it's, it's protecting the rest of my body as well. Kim. And I think Cherie's brought up a good point is that she mentioned about her, her severity of her, her osteoarthritis, when I presume she's meaning on x-ray, not necessarily uh, relating to the amount of pain that someone has. And that is a really important point to emphasise because we know that what you see on x-ray doesn't, um, always correspond. So some people can have an x-ray that does, it's got a lot of changes on it and they don't have a lot of pain and some and vice versa. And so, you know, you can see osteoarthritic changes in the joint on an x-ray, but um, the recommendations now are that you don't need an x-ray to typically to diagnose osteoarthritis. So you can make a diagnosis of osteoarthritis just on sort of clinical signs and symptoms without the need for an x-ray. So if someone is going off to, to their GP, they don't need to have an x-ray because as I've said x-rays don't 
relate necessarily to what the person's experiencing, nor do they determine what treatment someone's going to have and nor do they tell us how they're going to respond to a treatment. So I think that's important because x-rays contain radiation and they're costly. And so if you don't need to have one, then you know, best not to be having one. Mm. And Rachel, why do you think that osteoarthritis is the theme of Physiotherapy Day? What does it kind of represent beyond the details of, of the um, condition? What does it mean bigger picture? The, the treatments that we've talked about, the exercise, weight loss, physical activity, they're lifestyle treatments that can benefit a whole range of conditions, you know, uh, heart health, um, uh, um, other joints, uh, other types of arthritis, uh, mental health. Um, so I, I think you know, osteoarthritis is a, a good example of, of the treatments that you can use to improve your overall well-being and, and prevent other other conditions such as osteo uh, such as obesity, um, as I said, cardiac conditions as well. And Cherie, um, how are you seeing patients and families, other than the examples that you gave about yourself, take responsibility for their health and self-management? I think it's much more on the radar now and people um, and I think it's getting that awareness out that um, I think it's for all conditions and for all health to actually look at well what is a healthy weight how much activity do I need to do um, what sort of strengthening I do so I think the education should be there at a number of levels um, from your GP to your physio so the whole health um, the whole health care team um, and even public health messaging should be there about, you know, prevention. And I think the message is getting through um, and I think people are trying to be physically active. And I think with the COVID um, pandemic, it, it, it sort of made people think, oh, I need to actually get out and exercise because, you know, being locked in the house is not, um, not great. So I think in some ways it's brought people to think about their health as well. And Kim, on this topic of education and empowering patients and families through information, do you have any examples of how you've seen patients be effectively informed and using that information? Yes, I think uh, education is a really key component of treatment management because we know that lack of understanding is a key barrier to people uptaking these core recommended treatments and making lifestyle changes because people don't necessarily understand the, the importance of them. They may actually have misperceptions about what the condition is. So for example, in osteoarthritis, uh, many people think that it's a wear and tear condition. And so therefore by being physically active or exercising there, it's bad for the joint because they're going to wear out the joint more. And that misperception can lead people to choose treatments that are not recommended or, you know, progress to surgery and not try those recommended treatments like exercise. So, you know, having um, good, important messaging um, is key. And we've just found one of our research projects led by uh, Dr. Tolene Edgerton. She compared two forms of education. One was around positive messaging and around creating hope and optimism and, uh, you know, a belief that there's something that can be done for osteoarthritis versus really the same information, but in a very biomedical 
language, which means it was just more about what was happening in the joint and using a lot of those terms around you know, degeneration and so forth. And what she found was that uh, people had much better self-efficacy or confidence to manage their condition and positive beliefs around exercise when that messaging was positive versus the the perhaps the typical language that we used to use so it's not just also about the information provided but also the language that's used which is really important for physios to ensure that they're giving the right message in the right way to help empower patients mm, because it can be an intimidating thing being diagnosed with the condition and then being feeling like you're out of your comfort zone in terms of understanding and also that you're experiencing pain so I can imagine that yeah that that would help it become more truly patient-centered. Uh, Rachel did you have anything to add in terms of educating patients and consumers? There is so many sources I mean now we can go on the internet there's so many different places we can get our information and there's so many opportunities where we can see that information conflicts um, uh, which you know can, can make us quite confused about what lifestyle treatments might be able to help us um, so I think as, as physiotherapists you know we're in a, a great position to uh, as Kim said, use encouraging uh, words, have a good understanding of what osteoarthritis is and, and other conditions that we treat are to yeah, empower people to, to self-manage or by choosing the, the language uh, appropriately that we want to use. As Rachel and Kim have said, it's about explaining and patients understanding, first of all, what the condition is and why, and then looking at um, probably, you know, looking at the exercise, physical activity, strengthening I think what's been added is also um, some of the the tech you can use the technology to give you feedback um, to track what you're doing to remind you I think all of that just helps you self-manage because you have it you have it all there you actually know what you're doing and I think that was one of the hardest things even when I was you know doing my own exercises or specific um you know, trying to get the, the right muscle to work at the right time is actually having that feedback and knowing you were doing the right thing. Um, I think I've always found that difficult and um, I've always been very slow to learn how to get your muscles to work the right way. I was very good at cheating, you know, using the wrong muscles at the wrong time. I'm glad that it's not just me. It's also physios who can't activate the right muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rachel, could you talk about, I know you spoke about um, the website and text message service, but have you seen any other innovations or things that you would like to see in the future? Yeah, and I think um, sort of going on from, from what um, Sheree and yourself, Tasha, said about sort of activating the right muscles and the science has shown us in neosteoarthritis is there's a whole range of different exercise types that can be really beneficial for people with neosteoarthritis. Um, so, it, it, you know, if there's one particular type of exercise that doesn't feel like it's working for you, then, you know, try, try something else, you know, Tai Chi, hydrotherapy, you've got strengthening exercise, you've got walking, right? so having a, a step counter and, and in trying to increase the amount you walk, all of these things can be really helpful for people with osteoarthritis. Getting back to the sort of innovations and technologies, I think we, um, we did see some great success, as I've already mentioned, with uh, a website that prescribes a 24-week strengthening 
program for people with knee osteoarthritis and coupling that with a text message program that provides prompts, but also helped people if people found they weren't able to do their exercises regularly, it also sent suggestions to help people um, yeah, tackle some of the barriers, like I, I forgot, or the exercises are causing pain. So it did have quite a bit of education in the text messages as well. So we did find that was very effective. And uh, Kim has also uh, just completed a study also looking at yoga delivered via a, a website as well. Um, which was a, a great study. So again, looking at these different types of exercise and how we can deliver them um, easily to people, make them more accessible. I was going to mention yours, one that you've just put together, Rachel. Technology allows us to deliver treatments and, and educational material. And Rachel has just uh, launched the Taking Control of Your Knee Osteoarthritis on FutureLearn, which is an online educational platform. And, and that you know, is worldwide. And so she's put together a four-week educational program course for patients with knee or hip osteoarthritis. So there you can get really detailed evidence-based information and it's free. So I think you know, the technologies allow us to deliver at scale a lot of uh, important you know, evidence-based treatments for people with osteoarthritis. I think one of the ways that physio is changing as well is to... I think there's becoming um, greater use of treatments that perhaps weren't traditionally thought to be under the physio sort of banner, if you like. And we've done a lot of work looking at training physios to deliver cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, and they delivered that in, in knee osteoarthritis and was shown to be really effective. We're currently doing a study where we're trained the physiotherapist to deliver a weight loss program because traditionally Physios do think it's important that they give education about weight loss, but they're often unsure about how to do that and they don't have the skills or they feel they don't have the skills to deliver a weight loss program and to support weight loss. And obviously there's not as many dietitians around in, in Australia. And so, you know, in some cases it may be preferable to see a trained physiotherapist in this area who can integrate the exercise and the weight loss together. So we're currently looking at that. We've trained up physiotherapists to deliver a ketogenic, very low calorie diet. And so that'll be interesting to see as well. But I think certainly looking at broadening physiotherapist skills and also moving into prevention as well, as we've been talking about, so that physios can be helping patients with you know, diabetes, other conditions as well, but in that overall wellbeing space. Thank you. And Rachel, do you have anything to add about your priorities for the future, maybe also around using technology? Working towards prevention and ways that we can you know, encourage people to make healthy lifestyle changes you know, across all chronic conditions um, or regardless of chronic conditions. And I think technology can definitely help us. I think you know, different, different approaches work for different people. And I think technology just gives us more tools in our toolbox of um, you know, different options that we can give patients to help support them. Shuri. I think the future is being a partner with patients. It's looking at the full package, the full, um, you know, the broad package about what you would need to, for, to prevent and also to help with your arthritis. Partnering with technology. Yeah, I think just being, being a partner in, in the health journey for patients. Thank you, Rachel, Kim and Shuri for 
joining me today to celebrate World Physiotherapy Day, but to also talk about osteoarthritis and innovations and the physiotherapy profession and how it's changing. Thanks, Tash. I found it really interesting. Thanks so much, Tash. It was great to be involved. It's been very good chatting with you all today and happy World Physiotherapy Day. And thank you for listening to Taking Care. It's not just this episode. You can explore our back catalogue. And of course, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you have feedback or questions, email us at communications at opera.gov.au. Take care.